catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Viking Age Podcast, part of the Fan-Sided Podcast Network. Now, please welcome your host, Adam Patrick. All right, welcome to the Viking Age Podcast, the official podcast for thevikingage.com. I'm your host, Adam Patrick. I'm the editor and lead writer for the Viking Age. Before we get started today, make sure to follow the Viking Age on Twitter and Facebook. The site's username on Twitter is at the Viking Age, and you can follow the site's Facebook page by heading to facebook.com slash the Viking Age. All right, joining the show today is Ian Cummings. He's been on the show in the past, and he covers the NFL Draft for Pro Football Network, and he also covers the Washington football team for RiggosRag.com, which is part of the fan-sided network. So welcome back to the show, Ian. Yeah, thank you again for having me. Always a, always a pleasure to come on and, and uh, talk some ball. No problem. All right. Ian, so so last time you were on the podcast, you mentioned that you've always been a fan of, of Kirk Cousins. Yeah. Um, yep. So... I talked about this with my last guest um, on the previous episode, but I wanted to get your opinion. So I don't know if you saw recently, but ESPN's Courtney Cronin recently posted an article stating that the Viking success in this year's NFL draft depends on them finding Cousins' successor. And then to add to her statement, she said she doesn't really think the Vikings will be able to land any of the top, the top quarterbacks in the first round. So she said the Vikings pretty much need to find a franchise quarterback in the second or third round this year in order to have a successful draft. Um, do you have any thoughts about all this? Yeah, I mean, and again, disclaimer, because last time we talked a little bit about it. Okay, I'm a bona fide Michigan <laughs> State fan. Like, I live 15 minutes away from East Lansing. Yeah. So, I'm, I, naturally, I'm going to be a little more slanted toward Kirk Cousins. Mm-hmm. But, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think Cousins – like I think he gets a little more flack than he deserves, and I don't think he's been the root of the problem with the Vikings. No. You know, I think you can make that supporting cast a little bit better, and I also think the coaching staff, you know, Zimmer uh, and the offensive coordinator, there have been some issues with game scripts and game mm-hmm. flows and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Uh, so I, I think you can actually build a better attack around Cousins, and I think that Cousins, if he has his weapons, he can be a very good quarterback, and he can be a quarterback that you can win with. Um, so if I'm the Vikings personally. I wouldn't try to force a quarterback solution, especially at 13. You're probably going to have to move up if you want to get one, and you have too many needs. I think I would rather just see how the board falls at 14 and maybe get an offensive lineman or if one of the top receivers or pass catchers falls, 
get one of them because I think you're in a good position to get some of that top talent that trickles out of the top 10. That's that's a really good spot to be in, I feel like. So I wouldn't try and force a solution when you potentially have a guy you can win with. You just got to add a little bit more to the uh, weapons core around him. So I, I don't think that's the the end-all, be-all for the Vikings in the draft. I think yeah. Kirk Cousins is definitely a quarterback. You can, and you see like the EPA charts and stuff like that, mm-hmm. completion percentage above expected, those analytics charts. Cousins is consistently one of the top 10 QBs in the past two years. So, mm-hmm. and again, I don't think like, I, I don't, he's not the same tier as some of the top guys, but he's certainly yeah. a guy that you can win with. And if you give him a wep- another weapon, like if Jalen Waddle falls or if Devontae mm-hmm. Smith falls, or if you can boost that offensive line too, that's just building the, the team around Cousins and giving him a better chance to win. So I, I don't think you need to restart a quarterback. I think he's still in that stage of his career where you can try and win with him. And if it doesn't work, at least you can say you gave it the best shot. You didn't erode his chances before before you had the supporting cast around him. And if you do draft a rookie quarterback, they're going to be dealing with a lot of the same issues that Cousins is if you don't get a top talent. Mm-hmm. So. Yep, and they have to learn you know, a new system probably and yeah. get adjusted to all the players and everything. So um, if the Vikings go after a quarterback, I, I agree with you, um, they're not going to trade up. And mostly I think this because Rick Spielman, their general manager, has never used their top pick to trade up in the draft. If the, yeah. if anything, they've either remained in their spot or they've traded back. He's never traded up. Um, and, and unless someone, you know, Justin Fields is there at, what, 9 or 10, then... But either either way, you know, there's there's people in those spots that that would take him, someone like that, or a Trey Lance that would take him. So I think the Vikings, if they were going to take a quarterback in the first round, they would literally have to fall to them at number fourteen. And then you also you would also run into, you know, teams wanting to trade up with the Vikings if if a quarterback was falling too. And and Spielman's been known to make a few trades here and there in uh, his his draft history. And uh, they, the Vikings don't have a second-round pick, so I wouldn't be surprised if they, you know, put that pick up for grabs and, and grabbed a couple more picks. Yeah, doing that would that. be a really good move for them because, yeah. and I know, you know, if you don't like Cousins, you definitely want to take QB there. Yeah. But if by any chance a quarterback does fall to 14, you have teams like the Patriots, mm-hmm. uh, Washington football team, mm-hmm. and Chicago who yep. could all be gearing up to try and trade up to that spot. So if you're Minnesota, you can try and get some extra day two draft capital and you still have a few needs that you need to address after free agency. Uh, so I think that would be a very good move, especially if you're aiming toward maximizing your window with Kirk Cousins, which me yeah. personally, I think that's the optimal route to take. So I would definitely be up for that if I'm the Vikings. I think it's either stay put and see what talent is there, or if by any chance a quarterback falls, which me personally, I don't think a quarterback falls. I think I think the ceiling or the floor would be Denver at nine, mm-hmm. personally. I feel like there's a strong chance that maybe the top four picks could be quarterbacks and then yeah. there's only one left and then the demand will, I think, drive the price up and force teams to try and trade up and be the first ones to get them. So it's going to be a wild year, man. I don't know what's going to happen, but the value of the quarterback, you know, the value that position holds is constantly being driven up. And because of that, we're going to see them come off the board earlier and earlier. And especially with the top heavy class that this is, that's only going to be magnified. Yeah, it's going to be super interesting, too, because there's no combine and all the typical pre-draft stuff that we're used to because of COVID and everything. So it's going to be interesting to see who people go after just, you know, without that that stuff happening for them to help them out. Uh, but speaking of Cousins, former and quarterbacks in this draft, former Alabama quarterback, 
Mac Jones has been compared to Cousins by a number of people during the last few weeks, including you and your recent draft profile of, of Jones over on ProFootballNetwork.com. So what are some of the reasons why this comparison continues to keep being made? Yeah. Yeah, it's a really interesting comparison. You know, I, I like it for two reasons. One, I think it adequately conveys that Mac Jones can be a good NFL quarterback. I feel like that's the most important thing because we've seen it, you know, on draft Twitter and everything, people kind of debating like, yeah, mm-hmm. no, he shouldn't be mm-hmm. drafted that high, you know, because he doesn't have the physical traits that the other guys do. Um, and I think that, you know, Kirk Cousins is a good example of a guy, while he doesn't have the elite physical traits, he's still mobile enough at times to kind of navigate through the pocket and extend plays when he has to. He's not dynamic. He's not going to, you know, churn yards after contact. He's not mm-hmm. going to break tackles or anything, but enough to at least extend the play, keep the play alive long enough to keep your eyes downfield and try and get some yards out of it. And then Mac Jones, yeah, like we said, Mac Jones, he's not an elite athlete, but he has that. I also don't think his arm talent is top tier. I don't think Cousins is top tier either. But again, when they're mechanically sound, and when they're able to set their base and generate torque with their lower half, then they can generate some surprising velocity. And we've seen that with Cousins. Ah, my God, I got tongue-tied for a second there. Um, <laughs> we've seen that with Cousins, too. Yeah, I don't know how it happened. I just ate dinner. Then uh, You saw that with Cousins, too. Where um, I saw this a lot with him in Washington, where we see him, if he sets his feet, stands strong in the pocket, and gets that torque generation mm-hmm. from his lower half, because that's where a lot of your throw power comes from, he can he can throw some darts, man. He can put some velocity. Out. Oh yeah. My my clarification here, my definition for arm strength or arm talent is mm-hmm. um, the ease with which you can generate velocity. So I don't think it's like quarterbacks with moderately strong arms can still generate the same velocity as quarterbacks with strong arms. The the difference is, you know, you see a guy with a strong arm like Drew Locke or Josh Allen. They just flick their wrists and it's yeah. gone. You know, Cousins will have to go through his entire windup and he'll have to force it a little bit. He can still generate that velocity, but the ease with which he does it uh, for Josh Allen or Drew Locke isn't quite there for Kirk Cousins. And those are just a couple examples. Mahomes is another one too. There's, oh, there's yeah. a lot of guys with strong arms, but Cousins doesn't quite have that. But Cousins is a guy who, uh, you know, with average physical traits, managed to carve out an NFL career as a starter because, you know, he's a good processor. He's tough in the mm-hmm. pocket, good decision maker, stuff like that. And I think Jones emulates a lot of that. And also stylistically, you look at Jones, his pocket presence and how he kind of maneuvers the pocket. There's some other uh, things that kind of resemble Kirk Cousins as well. Sticking with Mac Jones for a second, is it really a realistic possibility that the 49ers could use the number three pick to draft him? Or are, we, or are you just in... Inc- just as confused by this as, as most people seem to be. Yeah, I'm a little confused by it. Not gonna <laughs> lie. I mean, I and I don't want to like, I don't want to rag on Jones, you know, because like people have been ragging on him. I I, I do think he. Yeah, and we don't know. He could he could down the road he could be you know one of the top yeah. quarterbacks. Out of yeah, this draft. we don't know how it's gonna play out. We could look back three years from now. And, hey, yeah. Mac Jones turns out he is the second coming of Tom Brady, or at least a little bit close. I mean, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, that's a little too far, but. It, <laughs> goes to i don't think that's gonna happen but it goes to exemplify the mm-hmm. unpredictability of yeah. the draft like if i make a decision it's justin fields 99 times out of 100 and the 100 times trey lance i'm not i'm not really considering mac jones because going with the Kirk cousins metaphor that's a guy you can win with you know at the maximum projection but i'm not banking on those traits at number at number three or number right. four overall i'm just not doing it 
especially when you have a guy like Justin Fields or Trey Lance, elite athletes, both of them. Justin Fields has uncanny accuracy. I feel like that's, that gets glossed over a lot, but he's an insanely accurate quarterback. And then Trey Lance, while his accuracy isn't nearly as good as Fields, I do think he can get there or get close with some more mechanical refinement. I do think that his lower body right now is already better than it would be expected to be for a guy his age. So those are both super high upside guys. And if I'm San Francisco number three, I feel like you got to bank on the traits. And, and Kyle Shanahan made a comment that kind of emulated that. He said, like, because there's this mythology that there's a Kyle Shanahan mold at the quarterback. Yeah. But uh, Kyle Shanahan is like, you know, if we were going to draw it up, we wouldn't draw it up. We wouldn't just draw up the smartest quarterback. We draw up the, the biggest, the fastest, the most athletic, the, the biggest arm and the smartest quarterback. And so you look at the guys who check all the boxes. I, I think first off, Justin Fields is the guy who, who does that first, the one who's going to be available. And then Trey Lance obviously has the athleticism and the arm talent. You kind of just, there's a little more projection there, but overall there's more upside with those two guys. And if I'm, if I'm, if I'm using that pick, I don't want to look back in three years and, and, and see that the guy I picked, Mac Jones, while he's good, while he's solid, he's not quite good enough to beat the other guys like Josh Allen's, like the Patrick Mahomes. He's mm-hmm. not quite talented enough to get out of those adverse situations. So, And, you know, we saw that with Cousins. He went in the fourth round. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he panned out. But you just don't take quarterbacks with those traits this early unless they're el- like elite in terms of processing and decision-making and stuff like that. And I think Mac Jones... There is a little bit of pause with, you know, the supporting cast he had and how much it boosted mm-hmm. him up. And he was always very comfortable and he made he made the most of it to his credit. But what happens when you take that comfort away? And, I, mm-hmm. you know, the other guys like Fields and Lance have the traits to produce in spite of adversity. Mac Jones doesn't quite have that. So it's just a matter of I think if the 49ers are picking, it should be an easy decision between or not an easy decision. But I think it's an easy decision to say. I don't think I'm going with Mac Jones. I think it's either Fields or Lance, but we'll see what they're thinking. I know uh, they they had a lot of guys at Fields last pro day, and mm-hmm. I think they're going to have guys at, at, at Lance's pro day too. So it seems like they're still in deliberations. I, I hope if we're on the same wavelength, they're they're thinking of picking the guys at the higher upside, but you never can tell. And there's always a lot on the line with these picks. So sometimes they do have a tendency to, you know, think themselves toward one prospect like oh mac jones he's the safe guy you know but you don't want to play it safe uh, in the nfl especially when you need to supersede your opponents you kind of want to go go all in on a guy so i hope they're going fields or lance but we'll see what happens i have no idea <laughs> yeah it's just that it's that time of year where you know yeah. there's so much smoke and you got to figure out what's what's real and what's not and you got people like Schefter or kuiper saying one thing and you know a lot of their yeah. sources are are probably agents i don't know if a lot of people realize like when they say sources it's usually a player's agent or whatever that's giving them the info or a team source or whatever and and so you know the agents of these of mac jones or or whoever's saying this is probably trying to you know boost his stock a little bit to get him to be a higher pick um but yeah i just want to ask you just because i i was like this no no way like I can't be losing my mind over yeah. this, but uh, but one last one last thing on Cousins. So he was drafted. We mentioned back in in 2012 in the fourth round uh, by the Washington Football Team. Some other quarterbacks taken in that draft, you know, were Russell Wilson, Ryan Tannehill, and, and Andrew Luck. Tannehill and Luck were actually drafted in the first round along with uh, Robert Griffin III. You remember that? Um, and Brandon yep. Yep. Whedon. Um, 
so if we did a redraft today, a 2012 redraft, is Kirk Cousins a first-round pick based on what you know about him now? Based on what we know about him now, I think he would be. I mean, I think you have to, right? I mean, if you know, over weed, if you right? know for sure, <laughs> yeah, for sure, over weed, right? I mean, even our, our, even over RG three. Uh, yeah, I think I think that too. You know, because RG three, we knew like RG three. I don't think his downfall was like fifty. Per, I think it was like not even half his fault because I think Washington man yeah. was injury poor. Yeah, 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 yeah. Really didn't give him a chance, but. You know, it's just how it played out. You know, and you look back. If I know that Kirk Cousins is going to be a top twelve quarterback by by this year, you yeah. know, and if if I know that he's going to be a guy who can give me a chance to win, I mean, definitely over Weeden, man. Yeah, you saying that name, man, I I had completely forgot that Brandon Weeden was a first round pick. Uh-huh. I don't want to forget again. That's, uh-huh. not, that's not great, but one of yeah, the many, think, yeah, one of the many Browns first round picks before they were able yeah, to that's, that's, figure things that's out. Rough. That's rough, yeah, but yeah, Kirk Cousins for sure. I mean, me personally, and keep in mind, I mean, this was back in what twenty twelve, so I was like, God, how old was I? Not, I was way third grade. (laughs) Yeah, someone like no, um, shoot, I'm I'm, (laughs) in my head. Yeah, nine years, so thirteen, thirteen. So I was like fanboying over. Yeah, just get just getting into the draft and all that fun stuff. Probably. Yeah, like literally just getting into it. Like one of my earliest memories was hoping the Broncos would pick him in round two when they picked Brock Osweiler instead. You know, so yeah. it's one of those things. But I think um he would be a first round pick just because if, if you know a guy, like there's so much uncertainty. That's the reason the quarterbacks are, you know, go off the board super quick in round one is because you want to get the ones that have the highest chance of success or early on. And now we've seen it took a while for Cousins to break out and get his opportunity. But when he did, he took he he made the most of it. And now he's a you know he's one of those unquestioned starters in the league. Like you, some people are like, well, is he really the best long term option for the Vikings? But my opinion, he's there and he's good. So just try and get the most out of him. And I think if you're looking back and if you're drafting that over again. I think Tannehill and Wilson are going to go above him. I think Luck yeah. would even go above him, even retiring early. Yeah. Um, but Cousins would definitely be in that group early on in the first round. For sure, he'd uh, he'd be the the Jordan Love maybe of uh, of the 2012 yeah. draft, where someone you know drafts him to to groom him for to be their next replacement. Um, yeah. So we so we already touched on on Mac Jones. But let's let's dive a little deeper into the NFL draft since you know, that's happening at the end of the month and it'll be here before we know it. So yeah. I'm gonna give you it's already coming. Yeah, up, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's this this you know it's your Christmas or whatever. So exactly. um, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna give you two players from the same position groups that could potentially still be on the board when it comes time for the Vikings to make their first round pick at, at number 14. And I just want you to tell me which one of the two guys you would draft over the other and then just maybe just a little explanation why. So does that sound good to you? Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. So let's start off with Rashawn Slater and Elijah Vera Tucker. Ooh. You know, I don't know. I really like both of those guys. Yeah. That's a tough one. They both tested very well. I, I think they both have that versatility, you know where they can play different positions. And the Vikings, I feel like, could really use that because they yep. have a lot of guys who they can kind of mix and match. And, mm-hmm. yeah, it would relieve pressure. Pressure, For example, like moving Ezra Cleveland to guard full-time because I know I think he came out of the tackle mm-hmm. um, and then played some guard last year. So mm-hmm. uh, if you can move him there full-time, you can mix around guys. I think both Elijah Baratucker and Rashawn Slater have the versatility to do that. I have Slater ranked a little bit higher on my board. Um, I think... 
size was a big concern for him, but then he came in at his pro day and he was like 6'4", 300. So you really, it's not really that much of a concern. The length isn't great there, but I still think he's such a good, smooth athlete as a blocker. You know, he moves really well for his size. He shouldn't move that well. And then also he's pretty technically fine too. So I think I would go with Slater, but I don't think there's a wrong decision there. I think Barrett Tucker, he's been going a little bit later in mock drafts, but that's really not, that's not too high for him. I think that he has the skill set. He has the athleticism. He's a little bit bigger. Um, and then he also has the versatility. He's moved around a lot at USC where he can play and, and, and relieve some pressure for the Vikings. That's really a win-win situation, I think. So yeah, I think then Slater, I think yeah. he played guard in high school, right? Before he I think so. moved to tackle. Yeah, I think so. And personally, me, I mean, I, it's funny that you bring up those two names because I think those are the two names I would consider just because of their versatility. Yeah. Like maybe Tevin Jenkins too, because Jenkins is an absolute mauler and, and he has some guard experience too. Um, but I think Samuel Cosme, if you're thinking of him, he doesn't quite have that versatility. Christian Darasaw, as much as I love both Cosme and Darasaw, if yep. you're the Vikings, I think you want that tackle guard mm-hmm. versatility just so you can move guys around if need be and, and kind of get that flexibility. That's definitely an added bonus for a team that has some has a lack of clarity at multiple positions. You want to have a guy who can you know, play it either one. So I think Vera Tucker or Slater, both excellent options. I would lean Slater, but there's really no wrong choice there. Lack of clarity is a very nice way for you to yeah. put, put what they're going through <laughs> every single offseason when they're offensive line. Uh, let's go with, yeah. let's Quiddy Pay or Gregory Russo. Ooh, this is, uh, okay, well, it would be an easy one. I think it is an easy one actually after the, uh, after the free agency period because I know the Vikings are getting Michael Pierce back and they signed Dalvin Tomlinson. Yep. And for me, the appeal uh, for Gregory Rousseau was his flexibility to go on the interior, you know, because mm. I, I don't think like he, the weight right now makes him look like a bit more of an edge rusher. Like he's still kind of long and lanky, mm. but I think his play style is more suited to be like that hybrid three tech mm. who can go inside and then also shade out to the edge. Um, I don't think he has a future as a pure edge starter personally or if he does play purely on the edge i don't think he'll be i don't think he'll be great i'm just gonna say it you know i think like i think he has the traits to be good in the right role uh, and for the vikings that would have been as a as a hybrid interior hybrid edge guy who can kind of move around mm-hmm. a little bit um but now that they they've kind of not necessarily solved i think they could add more rotational ability on the interior yeah. but yeah. i think Dalvin tomlinson is definitely a good uh, a good kind of well-rounded player to add there. Um, I think you can kind of go with Quiddy Pay, the more pure edge guy, who I think is more explosive, definitely more dense, more, more powerful. Uh, needs to refine his hand usage for sure. Okay, but all over this place, guy brings right? a ton of juice downfield. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a little all over the place, but again, he like the traits are definitely there in spades for Quiddy Pay. Um, and, and he's like super powerful, super explosive off the line, and his agility times. I don't remember them off the top of my head. And he didn't test at his pro day, presumably because he wanted to roll with his previously reported agility numbers, which I think yeah. I think his three cone is like in the six sixes, which is just insane for a player of his size. I think like almost six three over two sixty pounds. You know, really dense, just really amped up ball of energy as a rusher, um and, and has the physical traits that you want for the Vikings. I'd also consider, you know, maybe this might be a little early. I think 14 is just a little early for an edge rusher in general, personally. Yeah. Uh, this is a weird class for those. But 
if you're dead set on picking the edge rusher, uh, Jalen Phillips is another guy. I know he yep. tested really well athletically, uh, 6'5", 260, somewhere around there. Uh, really, yeah, again, really good explosiveness off the line. But if you want a guy who can contribute right away, his hand usage is top tier um, for for his athletic profile. Like he's coming. The biggest question for him is injury. Can he stay healthy? Mm-hmm. Um, he has a concussion history, and he was mm-hmm. he was requested to uh, retire. I think uh, earlier oh. in his career, so he didn't. He's he's here, uh, <laughs> but the injuries are a concern. I don't know. I don't know if they've released it. Yeah, yeah. You think about he was requested to retire. It's a little bit of a red flag. <laughs> now, nah, yeah, he did. He's still here. We're good. We're good. <laughs> but it is a little bit of a question mark moving forward for sure. I, I don't know if they've released combine medical. I, I know that was coming up. I'm not sure. I'll yeah. Check, but that that would be big for him if he comes back with the green light. Then he might rise up the board, and uh, I think the Vikings would be very wise to to consider him there because. You need immediate help on the edge, and I think Jalen Phillips is the guy who can provide that in the best way uh, in this class. Another guy I really like is Joseph Asai. Uh, he's super long, lengthy. Uh, I think he ran a 4.6 something in the 40-yard dash, but he also had a 41.5-inch vertical, I think. So he's just insanely explosive. In Texas? Um, he brings a red-hot motor off the line. Yeah, Texas, Joseph yeah. Asai. Yeah, he's a fun one because he was on... Um, I think last year he was an off-ball linebacker, actually. Mm. Or in 2019, he was an off-ball linebacker. Made the switch to the Jack linebacker role, which is more of a... It's kind of like an Anthony Barr type deal. Um, yeah. But, yep. yeah, like he, he was mainly rushing the passer. Occasionally he'll go off-ball, but, you know, he's he's rushing downhill for the most part. And there, his, his explosiveness, his length, and uh, his motor really shine. So he has a ton of the traits you want. Uh, if you're building off that line and if you want a guy who's going to bring 100% on every play, if you're worried about other guys not doing it, um, you don't need to worry about a side. He brings 100% on every play. So I think those would be three of my favorite guys there. Um, I think Rousseau at this point, I don't know, man, he didn't test very well. Um, and it kind of confirmed what a lot of us who'd watched the tape knew, which is that he's not super explosive or or flexible um, or, or just fast around the edge. Uh, he's more of kind of a, he kind of beats guys with his length and, you know, it's great that he has that, but it kind of limits his projection. Uh, so I'm not, I'm personally, I'm not even sure that Rousseau goes round one. Now keep in mind, I don't have, hmm. I don't have a pulse. I don't, I'm not an insider or anything, <laughs> but just looking at, looking at it, it's going to be a weird fit wherever he goes, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and he'll have to try and make the most of it. I think, I think um, with his production, you know, it's, it, it, I think he'll end up going late first round, but uh, he's definitely fallen down the board, and, and there's a reason for that. He, it's not a clear-cut fit wherever he goes, I and mean, he doesn't have the bend or explosiveness that the other edge rushers do. So, but yeah, I think Quiddy Fay is good. Jalen Phillips, if he's if he can stay healthy, really good. And then Joseph Asai, also uh, a very good option. Yeah, Asai would be interesting because the Vikings just restructured Anthony Barr's contract, so he he's actually going to be a free agent next year. So if they yeah. feel like you know they're not comfortable. With, bringing him back that might be uh something they think about where they, they already have a replacement in place for him where he could you know kind of do the same thing um so let's go i saw you had the vikings actually select jalen waddle uh in your last mock draft on on pro football uh network.com so devonta smith or jalen waddle <laughs> okay yeah dude i mean it's tough having to choose between pl- prospects that I both really like, mm-hmm. you know, like I, but I, I, I'd have to go with Jalen Waddle. Personally, he's my wide receiver 1A. Jamar Chase is my 1B. They're, okay. they're so close that I don't like to say wide receiver 1, wide receiver 2, because I, I really like both of them. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, but Jalen Waddle to me is, you know, he's a little undersized. He's around 5'10", 185, I think. And, um, you know, he kind of gets written off as the gadget guy, you know, mm-hmm. the tr- the prototypical speed receiver in the draft. And don't get me wrong, his speed is a very important part of his game. I think he's a more complete receiver than people give him credit for, though. Um, he's a good route runner, not as good as Devontae Smith, uh, but right. has he shows that crispness. And then I also think that, you know, Jalen Waddle, Henry Ruggs, showed flashes of being able to rise ver- vertically and, and compete in contested situations, but didn't do it consistently. I think Waddle can do it consistently uh, where he has the ability to vertically rise up and snag passes. He has strong hands and he's a hand catcher, which is good. Uh, mm-hmm. You'd like to see that. Um, but then at the same time, looking at how Waddle provides utility in the short and deep ranges, like in the short range, he can take drag routes to the house. He has that home run explosiveness, mm-hmm. uh, but he can also get open downfield. Um, he has an awareness of, as, of blind spots for d- defensive backs, and he can get open downfield and add that deep element as well. I think that two-pronged attack, you know, being able to make Kirk Cousins' job easier with run after catch yards, but also being able to be a deep threat, and then having Adam Thalen and Justin Jefferson kind of spreading the field out for you, uh, I feel like that's a lethal combination with Jalen Waddle. If he were to drop it's tough to pass up because um, being able to spread the field with that many talented receivers. Um, and, you know, I, I would be up for Devontae Smith too. I just think mm-hmm. that Waddle's all-out speed, all-out explosiveness element uh, kind of makes the difference there. And I think Waddle has enough complete receiver traits uh, that you can you can withstand passing on a, on a more on a more complete guy like Smith because Waddle has enough of that too. And the speed and explosiveness is just really fun to think about with Adam Thalen and Justin Jefferson playing off of it and kind of contributing to it. And uh, it, it would make their offense super dynamic. And it, it goes with the it goes with the idea of helping Kirk Cousins out and helping to maximize that window. You know, I would rather stick with Kirk Cousins and give him all the weapons he needs. And Jalen Waddle would really free up that offense a lot. Yeah, you see, I've seen a couple of people throughout the the Tyreek Hill comparison and. Yeah, you know, I always like I, I don't I don't like to throw out throw yeah. out those comparisons. Me personally, no. I I hate comparisons in Me general too. because it it forces a person to think like, oh, okay, he's exactly like Tyree Kill. He's, yeah. No, he's not. There's no there's no one to one match ever. Okay, but I, I will say this: if if you're comparing all the receiver prospects ever since Tyree Kill, I think Jalen Waddle is going to be like in the top three of the closest. Mm-hmm. Like he's one of the closest matches we've seen. But he's not. Again, he's not a match. He's not a match. I want to reiterate that, but you know, he, he can provide a similar element to your offense where he he's super dynamic. He can spread the field. He can take any play to the house, whether mm-hmm. it's in the short range, medium range, or long range. And he's also enough of a complete receiver where you don't have to worry about him getting phased out of certain plays because he's more of a gadget guy. He, he's a complete receiver with the elite explosiveness to really um, turn things around for an offense. Yeah, well, I think he's part of that shift to, you know, the NFL seems to be, you know, getting more and more okay with receivers who are more on the smaller side, you know, they're not going after, not everyone's going after the Megatrons anymore. You know, you look at guys like Tyreek Hill and, and DJ Moore and even someone like Stefan Diggs. Diggs is not the biggest guy yeah. in the league, but he gets gets open and gets gets it done. And so teams are more uh, willing to go after someone like, like Jalen Waddell or, or someone like that. So I think he he's interesting because I just think he's just in the form of, of what teams are – the good teams, I guess, I would say, are are going more after these days. That are more open to not taking the traditional, you know, six four, two ten receivers that we see all the time, yeah. where you're, they're supposed to be good and 
they're not. Um, yeah, that was something that I kind of noticed last year. Yeah, which you're you're absolutely right. Is that you know it seems like we had a checklist a few years ago. Yeah, like all right, do they have the size? Do they have the speed? Do they yeah. have the toughness? But now you can get away with a guy who doesn't quite have the elite size if they bring a lot of the yep. other traits. And uh, I think yeah, I think Jalen Waddle is definitely one of the guys who fits that description. Yeah, DK Metcalf goes in the second round. Like yeah. a couple, if he was drafted a couple of years before that, he's not a second round pick. Yeah, he's sure. he's in the first round for sure. Um, so the last one we'll do. I got three for you this time. Patrick Sertain, two. two I don't know why I call him two. The second, um, <laughs> Caleb Fairley or J.C. Horn. J.C. Horn is my CB one. Wow, so this is an easy one. Yeah, you know I, I really like, and I I do think that people tend to gravitate to his best games because there were some games like Devonte Smith did give him some trouble. Well, um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, it's Devontae Smith. On the right? Heisman Trophy. <laughs> exactly. Like, he's going to give everyone a little bit of trouble, right? But, yeah, yeah I think J.C. Horn uh, tested. He tested really well. I'm going to look up his RAS right now while I'm talking. But, um, yeah, he's a uh, – oh, wait, I have a RAS tab open already. I'll just There you go. That. Yeah, exactly. But, um, yeah, by the way, RAS, relative athletic score, for those of you who are listening who don't know what that is, uh, it's a great tool uh, to compare draft prospects and uh, our own Kent Lee Platt puts them together. Uh, so it's a really awesome resource yeah. to use. And JC Horn uh, logged a relative athletic score of 9.99. So basically better than 99.9% of all corners ever to test. So wow. that kind of tells you, yeah. And like, I didn't That's think, okay. He, yeah, it's okay. Right. Yeah, exactly. I didn't think he was that good of an athlete watching his tape, but it, it speaks to the athletic upside that he has. And, you know, putting these numbers on for size in context, is even more impressive. Uh, he's basically 6'1", 205, ran a 4'4", 41.5-inch vertical, 133-inch uh, broad jump. And then he also had 19 bench reps at with 33-inch arms, which that's elite length for a corner. And, you know, longer guys don't always have as many bench reps because, you right. know, you need to go up yep. higher and you yep. come down more. It's just simple. But, you know, having that, it shows how strong, how amped up, how explosive he is. And it really shows up on tape. You know, not quite to this degree. I didn't think he was this good, but I still thought he was a borderline elite athlete because he can close gaps really well. His hips are fluid in coverage. And this guy just, he's hes a dog, man. He's so competitive in coverage. You want your corners to have the my ball mentality, you know, that competitive alpha mm -hmm. mentality. Mm -hmm. And uh, Horn definitely has that. You put him on an island, he'll jaw at receivers and he'll make sure that they come away rattled. And, and that's what I really like. Is that well, he has look at his dad. Yeah, exactly. Joe Horn. Right? I mean, that, that, that's all you need to know. That, that's mm -hmm. your proof right there. But yeah, J.C. Horn is, um, to me personally, and it's close. I really like Patrick Sertan. If Caleb Farley, if there weren't so many question marks with him uh, between injuries, you know, opting out last year, which I don't hold the opt out against him because I think he had some no. COVID impacted yeah. family members. If you're going to stay safe, do it. You know, um, it, to me, it's more the injuries with him. It's, he yeah, you get surgery. For, he gets for to stay healthy issue. for a year, too. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Except for, yeah, you just mentioned that, surgery. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like he he had a year off from football and then he had surgery. Mm -hmm. So it's like I don't know. That, that gives me a little bit of hesitance. So, mm -hmm. but I think you know J.C. Horn to me is the best blend of physical and mental traits in the draft at corner, and that makes it pretty pretty easy decision for me. Uh, but again, I really like Patrick Sertan as well. Um, and I'll be honest, I don't quite know. Do the Vikings run more man or zone? Because that does kind of play. Uh, into, it's a, uh, it's a, I, a I think it's a combo. Do they kind of mix it up a little bit? Yeah, it's a, yeah. it's a combo. Okay. They run. I think they ran maybe. Um, 
less zone or less man last year because of the inexperience that they had and all the injuries because they had like okay. Cameron Dancer out there and Jeff Gladney and Zimmer didn't really want to put those guys, you know, out there on their own. So I think they ran a lot more zone than they were used to. But I think with the additions of yeah. Patrick Peterson and Mackenzie Alexander's back too, so I think they might get back to more of of you know some more man than than they did yeah, last year. Those are year. both guys who would be better in man for yeah. sure. So I think. I think, uh, and I think J.C. Horn also is the best man corner in, in the draft. So you put you you get him, you put him with Patrick Peterson and Mackenzie Alexander. That's a really good corner group. I just gotta say, like J.C. Horn, to me, right now, I'm and Cameron to Dancer. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So you have a lot of you have a lot of young talent uh, yeah. in that group, uh, and you can, you know. You can see how it develops, but I think J.C. Horn for sure, uh, you know, provides the athletic traits you want, and then mentally, he's just really super competitive. He's an alpha, and he's not going to get rattled by guys. He's going to go out there and compete on every down. And you know, Patrick Patrick Sertan, I like him. I think he's more of a zone guy. If you're mm-hmm. running more zone, um, I think he could play man too, though. He also tested very well athletically. For me, the the what breaks that tie is um just the the sheer competitiveness that Horn has combined with his combined with his length and his athleticism, there's just really, there, there aren't many boxes he doesn't check. So if the Vikings are looking for corner help, I think it's definitely JT Horn at number one. Yeah, a lot of people are making the connection to Patrick Sertan because the Vikings just hired Carl Scott to be their defensive backs coach, and he was with Alabama for the last few years. So that's what uh, people have been connecting the two and been like, hey, wait a minute, well, you, you know. Um, yeah. and it's, 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 Actually, pretty annoying that I even have to ask you about corner because, one, you know, it's never you never rule it out with Mike Zimmer, but two, Jeff Gladney just yeah. got in a, that bunch of trouble, and so yeah. we don't know his future. Um, but so now, corner in the first round is maybe on the table because Patrick Pearson and Mackenzie Alexander were only signed to one year deals, so there's no guarantee that yeah. they'll be back next season yeah, either. That they. It sucks that that's a part of the discussion because I know like they drafted Mike Hughes and then Jeff Ladd. Mm-hmm. And, that was, that was and Mike, yeah, Mike Hughes thing. now, yeah. he's he's in the final year of his deal. He's been mm-hmm. hindered by neck injuries, which is nothing to mess around with. But he says he's yeah. good to go and wants to keep playing. But um, let's we'll see with him how that works out. You know, with Mike Zimmer being the head coach, I always feel confident in, in what they can do with their defensive backs, unless it's a case where last year where they literally had guys i've i've never even heard of like at yeah. all um but just because everyone was hurt um but i'll get you out of here with this question which is it's not related really to the vikings it's just draft in general so in 20 years when we look back at this draft um will we say that trevor lawrence was the best quarterback to come out of the 2021 class You're hesitating. That's a tough one. Yeah, you know, it's because we just we simply don't know. And I think, especially with quarterbacks, situation. I think it's like like you can rank them on talent, right? And you Mm -hmm. can really like a guy, uh, but if they go to the wrong situation, it could ruin Mm -hmm. them. You know, like. And I'll be I'll be honest. I I I don't put a lot of stock into my evaluations from like three or four years ago because I was definitely not as good of an evaluator back then. (laughs) You know, I like to think that every, we're all steadily improving, you know, and you can always keep improving mm-hmm. too. Um, but, you know, Josh Rosen and Sam Darnold were both guys that I liked. And uh, they, you know, I, I don't think, like, I think they had a hand in there. You weren't alone, no. Yeah, for sure. A for lot sure. of people like those guys. A lot of people still, yeah, for sure. still and, do. And 
Yeah, yeah. Like there's some people who think that Darnold now that he's in Carolina, uh, yeah. it's going to rejuvenate his career. Which I'm not. I'm not so optimistic, but I also agree that you have to keep that possibility on the table because again, situation is such an important factor. And you look at Josh Rosen. I mean, he he was uh, he was in Arizona the one year that Steve Wilkes was there. Yep. It was it was a disaster, you mm-hmm. know. And uh, they ended up cutting ties because of Kyler Murray. But, you know, I don't think he got quite a fair shake. And, and now I think Rosen is past the point of, of resurrecting his career. I think the best shot he has is being a backup somewhere or a third string guy. But, you know, and then Sam Darnold going to New York with Adam Gase. I mean, I don't need to say anything. Yeah, we, no. we know how bad Adam Gase is and, <laughs> and how bad that situation was. And they, they never quite got enough talent around him to support him. And on top of that, the coaching staff is eroding his development. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Sam Darnold definitely hasn't been good. But you can really make a strong case that, like, if he had a better situation, he might have panned out. So we'll see. Um, but I think it, it's such an important factor. And, and I, I, mm-hmm. I don't know because Trevor Lawrence, he's going to a new regime. Urban Meyer, Jacksonville Jaguars, Zach Wilson, likely going to a new regime. Uh, new York Jets with Robert Sala yep. and uh, yep. and Michael Floor, the uh, offensive coordinator. And then um, I think, honestly, it, it's tough to gauge how those teams would be i personally me i'm more optimistic about sala and lafleur in new york than i am about urban meyer in mm-hmm. jacksonville i just am um and then san francisco let's say justin fields goes there yeah i think that's a very good situation for him trey lance too that would be a good situation for him um and then mac jones mac jones is the big one i don't like if he doesn't go to a place that has adequate support uh he could underwhelm a little bit i think denver is a good spot for him because they have the line they have the weapons mm-hmm. um but he yeah, doesn't have to the, start right away, have, probably in Denver. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like they have they have Drew Locke, so they can or they, I don't know what they'll do with Drew Locke <laughs> if they get Mac Jones. But I mean that yeah. that's a different discussion. Mm-hmm. Uh the, the main thesis here is like situation is such an important factor. And Trevor Lawrence is my QB one. It's close between him and Fields, but he is my QB one. Um, but I ultimately think uh, a lot goes into that uh mm-hmm. quarterback panning out. And, and twenty years from now, maybe Urban Meyer maybe the the transition to the NFL game doesn't go as smoothly as we think it will. Uh, and then Trevor Lawrence kind of experiences some of the side effects of that. And maybe he doesn't quite pan out and, you know, Trevor Lawrence can still have a good career, but let's say maybe Justin Fields wins an MVP with Kyle Shanahan or something, or let's say Trey Lance goes on to have a really good career. You know, you can look back and say, well, these, these guys did really well, did better than Lawrence, but maybe Lawrence didn't have the best situation. So it, it's a lot of different factors that, that come into it. Um, and it, it's tough. You can't really say this one quarterback is going to unequivocally be better than the others. You kind of just have to let it play out. Um, if I had to bank on one, honestly, I don't know. I'd probably bank on Lawrence, but I don't, I don't feel confident. I, I, again, I'm not, I'm not a gambler naturally, so I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to put money. Like my put money. money on it. Yeah. Me too. Me too. Right. Yeah, I know I'm going <laughs> to lose it a bit on this. I'm just going to last because, it's just such a it's such a fluctuating situation. Mm-hmm. We don't know what's going to happen, and uh, I, I like I like things about all the top five quarterbacks. Um, so I'd rather just kind of watch from afar, be a spectator. You know, we'll see what happens. But I'm I'm rooting for all of them. I'll, oh yeah, I'll put it that way. Yeah, yeah I just we'll, I we'll ask because happens. we've heard so much about Trevor Lawrence being this generational quarterback. Yeah. Um, and it, remind, it reminds me actually a lot of 2012 with Andrew Luck, where you know. We, he was the number one pick before he even like his final year at Stanford. Um, and then you could yeah. easily argue that Russell, Ru- Russell Wilson was the best quarterback to come out of that draft. Um, 
So I just it just reminds me a whole lot of that. And you look at how Trevor Lawrence was on those Clemson teams, and you talked about Mac Jones and how his supporting cast might have built him up, you know, or made him look better than he might have been. And I kind of feel a little bit like that with Trevor Lawrence, where there he made some mistakes when he was up against like the best competition. And that worries me a little bit for, you know, what he'll be able to do on a team like the Jaguars, who's not going to have, you know, the best running back in the league or the best offensive line in the league. Yeah, Um, Yeah, for sure. And I think that, you know, Trevor Lawrence, I I agree with you about the um, perception around him. It has been a little bit like, oh, he's untouchable. Yeah. And like, he is my QB one, but I think the gap between him and Justin Fields at QB two is not as big as advertised. And that that's more a testament to how good of a prospect Fields is. But at the same time, Trevor Lawrence himself, he's not he's not infallible. He has some faults yep. too. And uh, if he goes, if the situation in Jacksonville doesn't play out as well as they hope, uh, it could end up kind of having a negative impact on his career. So we'll see what happens. It's all in flux, but. The fact of the matter is no quarterback is guaranteed to succeed or fail. It all depends on what happens after the draft. Yes, it is. All right, that's going to do it for us today. So thanks for joining, Ian. Where can people find you on Twitter? Yeah, so uh, Twitter, at Ian underscore Cummings underscore nine. Uh, I'll be sharing uh, Pro Football Network content and some Rigos content uh, in the in the coming weeks. And when the draft hits, we can finally uh, let this all this build up just culminate and it's over and that uh, we can wait until next well then we can do 20 2022 mock drafts you know you exactly, exactly get right to it sure. yeah <laughs> that's gonna be that's gonna be interesting yeah i mean the draft process never stops man no. I mean, right when the draft ends you're looking forward again you're looking yeah to the next year and we don't have the information of course and the quarterback yeah. class next year by the way is not looking not looking great compared to this one. for now again, we didn't know we, we didn't no think idea. we didn't know zach wilson was going to probably be uh you yeah, know exactly. as good as he was exactly and the year before, um, we didn't know Joe Burrow was going to come out. Either, right. So That's, yeah. You never, you never know. Um, but, yeah, follow the Viking Age on Twitter and Facebook and uh, subscribe to this podcast on the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. But until next time, we will talk to you later. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.